Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cast of Call, where we talk all things related to the Dark Tower series by Stephen King. I'm your co-host, Rachel, and joining me is the other half of my quartet, the person who always puts up with me and gives me great advice. When I have a bad week, I know I can talk to this person and they will not only listen, like really listen, they will actually help me try to solve the problem. And that is the one and only DJ. That's why they pay me the medium bucks, folks. And if you think <laughs> Wait, I'm supposed to great, pay for this service? Shit. Apparently. <laughs> right now we're on the 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 free tier, but uh there's ad supported, so like, you know <laughs> That's what the plugs at the end of the show are. <laughs> Brought to you by DJ Co. Thank you. <laughs> the Merc and DJ. Uh, <laughs> I miss you, friend. How have you been? Oh, not bad. Uh, just remodeling, doing a bit of, of uh, work. Um, changed tire out on my one wheel after about a 1,200 miles run. Wow. And, uh, then accidentally drilled into my hand while <laughs> working <gasps> DJ, on no! something else. Um, pro, pro tip, uh, gloves are not drill proof, so... <laughs> Oh shit! Uh, that gets through there. Um, let's see what else. Uh, got some family members staying with me for a week. Uh, oh, and, fun! Uh, yeah, just you know all the all the weird stuff. Um, and then it's been uh, unusually hot in the Portland metro area. Uh, oh, but by yeah. u- unusually hot, I mean eighty six. So oh. <laughs> you know we're not in there with all the rest of you. Uh, uh you know what? Bacon's <laughs> is that a that's a uh, that's a bad joke. Never mind. <laughs> oh no, I'm sorry. I'm laughing. The joke is like you know, cows are fainting oh. in, in the, but the pigs are fine because they're just bacon. Oh my god, I'm so, so okay. All right, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Rachel? Uh, so it's been like it feels like it's been a month or something since we. Yeah, talked. we got we got our schedule a little a little messed up. I mean, that was totally my fault because I went on a little. Uh, northern northern california adventure i went up to your favorite town eureka um, for like a minute i stopped and peed in a mcdonald's there but that's because i was staying in um this little town called ferndale did you ever go there when you were living oh yeah i love love ferndale it's great i had never been it's so cute you drive over that weird bridge yes like across the plains yes and you're like what the hell where is this and then it's like and then you just like come into this like movie set where it's like a giant church and like weird stucco buildings and like kind of wibbly wobbly places and like it's all victorian yeah it's all like victorian did you walk up to the cemetery at the, i did in the town and like I wander did. around that weird hill thing i did i did all the weird like freemason uh graves and stuff yes i, I did i don't know all the movies that are filmed there um apparently it's like a plethora but uh, yeah the only um, one i know for sure was the love witch uh well no I think um uh, there's a Stephen King film that was there what? as well that church has been the main church you drive by after the first antique store uh-huh. on the left hand side um when you come over that like you come into town basically that church was in like outbreak um it was in Salem's Lot Salem's Lot <laughs> yep. I yeah. mean I knew that that's why I brought it up because I'm good at this. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that's where you were leading me, so I was trying to like tiptoe. You, you, the blind was leading the blind. I don't. (laughs) I appreciate you taking me there, but let's get into this. Let's talk about what our plan is for this episode. Okay, we are going to be having a conversation about Wolves of the Kala, Part Two, Telling Tales, Chapter Three, The Priest Tale, New York, Sections Ten through Twelve. 
And then closing out the show with our listener question, uh, we've asked people to recommend vampire stories that will change our opinions on vampires. And then we have a new one for the next episode. Uh, but before we get into all of that, DJ, can you please do me and the listeners and the world at large, the planet Earth, you might even say, a solid, and let people know how we handle spoilers here. Well, guys, uh, like a poorly planned Stephen King chapter, we will randomly <laughs> stick a label in the middle of something and call it a new section, uh, which is the spoiler zone. So there you are, folks. <laughs> And we will let you know when we're getting into that weird uh, spoiler zone. We'll no, no, we're just going to walk right up to the edge and then a chapter is going to disappear into the wind. We're going to add like four explainer notes to it, put some dashes, and then uh, suddenly it'll be chapter four. <laughs> WTF, Stephen I, King. I think you might be tipping your hand about the uh, <laughs> what you thought of this chapter. <laughs> it's just uh, like, I, I don't know if I've ever expressed my irritation with Stephen King's chapter labeling. But it's just like, come on, man. Like, uh, I, I mean, I understand like cliffhangers, like cool, but like, you just, I don't know, like coherency in your chapter breaks, you know, please just a little bit. Uh, sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> just my side, side anger. And like, I went, as soon as I, that triggered me, I went back through like all of my chapter namings because I label each one when we're going through these. And I'm like, the fuck? The fuck? The fuck? <laughs> I mean, I, I have to make all the ep episode art. And I'm always like, how am I going to do it this time? I know, each <laughs> like time when... you're just trying not to spoil, right? <sighs> all right. Anyway, let's get into this. So, where did we last leave off with our cotet? Um, so we were in storytelling mode. Um, we had found out. Some <laughs> Sorry, I sent you something a little distracting. I know. I was like, <laughs> and man leaning up against balls. Okay. <laughs> I think you need to appreciate it. At least it. it's not a dick pic. Oh, <laughs> I mean, it kind of. <laughs> yeah, a little blue. Okay. Oh. <laughs> uh, okay. No, no. So, uh, where was I? Okay. So we left off kind of like. In the Salem lot territory of things, we've uh, fallen, found out that Callahan, like, you know, had hand shock and, like, we kind of had the setting set of this, like, place where he lives now um, in, in, like, mid-world or whatever. And, like, we kind of know sort of how he was rejected from his town and his priesthood and, like, sent off packing to New York City. And we find himself, you know, like, just discovering um, a place called Home where he is made his home as an employee and a patron as well both making the soup and drinking the soup <laughs> right rachel i mean this is not wrong <laughs> it is I mean, technically true <laughs> i'm uh, obviously picking the weirdest things to focus on for some reason today. <laughs> I, I love it it's one of those on. days <laughs> my brain was just like yeah and he's making soup and speaking of soup <laughs> cut to scene uh you know he's making his his famous uh uh soup i forget what it's called but he's like stirring it up and, camera and dumplings or something yeah camera pans into like m random meat name he's making his soup but it's really just the same soup all the time with like a different name because it sounds fancier um they don't actually use the meat that is implied and we get this kind of like... Although it is kind of an interesting that it's called Toads and Dumplings. And is it like an allusion to what Mia was eating? Remember she was like eating all the frogs? Oh, that's a good um, 
that's a good cross reference. You might be right. Um, you know, like boiling swamp toads, toads and dumpling soup, toads and dumplings. <laughs> Interesting. Um, well, if you think about it from that manner, then we begin this chapter section with like sort of a connection, cross connection, and we also uh, walk out of this chapter with the like signage cross connection so keep that mm-hmm. in the back of your minds that's true when we get to that point so what we find basically is like Colin's working in this kitchen um his buddy lupe is uh is like kind of his like cohort also working in the kitchen steps out to smoke and when Colin walks outside like sees like what looks like two lovers up in the corner realizes what's going on grabs like a i guess a steak knife of some kind and mm-hmm. just like stabs this guy without even really like putting a lot of thought into it. It's sort of like a reaction mm-hmm. and that reaction of like rage and like hurting his friend sort of takes over. And what ends up happening is, is sort of like, um, have you ever seen uh, a little monsters? Mm-hmm. You know, when the little monster is exposed to light and he just turns into a pile of clothes. Yeah. That's immediately what I thought of when Stephen King described <laughs> like what happens. Like it just lets out a little poof, uh, almost no blood at all, and then like the clothes and material items, like and a few bones, like drop to the ground, and and the cleanup is 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 basically nil. And then there's this fun bit where like as he's staring at what he's done, he like realizes this guy that was a vampire and on Lupe it was like wearing real nice shoes yeah some valleys and like i don't know what like i didn't google it i don't know what valleys are um rachel do you know anything about these shoes i'm not familiar with valleys but i am poor okay (laughs) well then uh don't trust us for any valley or nike news we aren't there waiting for the drop (laughs) get the best gonna see how much these shoes cost let's see here valley shoes they cost do low caster please right um they cost man <laughs> don't be it's just like pop up pop up pop up let's see men's valley shoes you know those are gonna be following you around the internet for like a year now oh my god you're so right they totally are <laughs> um just... oh they are very expensive um eight hundred and eighty dollars Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I feel very validated in not knowing this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's like probably $120 above my my normal uh, threshold, right? At least for me. I Yeah, I don't know. And do they carry them at Payless, sir? I mean, like, I'll, I'll spend like maybe $200 on a pair of shoes. But $800? Oh, oh, I thought you said $180. No, oh. eight. Hundred and eighty dollars. Oh, cheese and rice. That's, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a thing. Okay, so uh, so some very nice shoes. Um, there's also this like fun joke where like his clothes when they disappeared, like it left good pants, but there's underwear in it, and he's like, "Well, I should probably grab the you know the pants for the shelter, but the underwear in there." And there's gonna be questions. He's like, "You know, uh, we're not the like cleanliest place, but we don't deal in." Yeah, we have standards. There yeah, is a line. Underpants. It's just like kind of a fun and weird little situational thing. Uh-huh. Um, and so like he grabs the clothes. He's like walking him back and like Luke is kind of in this daze and sort of comes to and like 
is just like almost like postcoital and like has kind of a smirk on his mm-hmm. face mm-hmm. and like doesn't kind of remember what happened. And when Callahan's like holding the shoes, he's like, "What are you? What are you? What are you doing with those nice shoes? You know?" Yeah. And he's like, "Yeah, you know, I'm gonna drop them in the locker or whatever, and we're gonna save them for the next person." And he's just like, "Well, who would you know? Who would do that?" And then like, Callahan, as concerned about his friend as he is, is like, "You know, man, you just got." He didn't tell him like he got bit by a vampire, but he like is like, "Oh man, this isn't good. Like, you want to go on a vacation somewhere or something?" And, and like, he's like, no, I don't have any vacation time, you know, working at the, at the, uh, hotel or on the maintenance crew. I just like, I won't have that for a while, but I can cover it for you if you want. And it kind of shows like how nice and open and like mm-hmm. sort of wonderful this guy is. Yeah. And like, yeah, you know, uh, that, that's sort of like the reflection of like the opposite of like call hand situation. Mm-hmm. And that kind of um, is a thing to hang your hat on, and the like, sort of like deep seated love that Callahan has for this gentleman in particular. Um, yeah, I mean, it speaks to Stephen King's writing ability that we get, you know, a couple of sentences from Lupe, and you're like, oh yeah, I see, I see what Callahan sees in him. I see why this person, this type of person, would have hundreds of people come to his funeral. Yep. And the, the other thing that we we get out of this moment is that like. We find out that it, it it's not determined whether or not it's like the um, the location or the adjacency to uh, the folks that are in home or just the fact that you've been bitten. But once you've had one of these vampire attacks, like they kind of flock to you like moths to a, a light. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, once one gets you then it just becomes a reoccurring theme so to Mm -hmm. speak um which is another weird and dark sort of side note to this one um now you got two uh two stars here rachel what did i miss um i mean i don't know that you missed anything but i do think you're right about that is a very creepy thing that you're essentially marked by this um kind of interesting i don't know if it's sort of meant to i know i i know what it's meant to be but i kind of think it works on a metaphorical level around like the stigma and stuff around like well, I hiv i but, almost thought it was like a mirror of callahan's situation where like once he had the blood like he mm, couldn't oh, shake sure. this thing anymore mm-hmm. oh and, yeah and like lupe like to a lesser extent is experiencing like the baby version of that only mm-hmm. also with like yeah probably the aids undertones that you're talking about so the thing that most stood out to me, though, about this section is just sort of the character evolution that we get with Callahan. You know, up until this point, he's had one other confrontation with a vampire. And his reaction to what happened was that he ran away. He left his friends, his parishioners, everything. He, he couldn't get out of town fast enough. And I think what it tells us in this moment is just exactly how deep his love was for Lupe, that he, even though he didn't kill vampires for his own, even when he, when he saw them on the street, he wasn't fight He wasn't just like attacking them on sight, but for the love and protection of Lupe, he was able to do it. He was able to kind of cross that line and kill them. And then interestingly, his reaction to it was that he's so calm his he he talks about how his heart rate is steady. He and he has just killed a vampire, 
which speaks to the fact that not only does he feel justified in what he did, but also he's kind of like born for this, right? Like he was meant to be a vampire hunter. It it just, it did not impact him the way that you would think it would. The, I kind of want to like, I'm, I kick ass for the Lord statement. Right? <laughs> yeah, I, <know. laughs> oh, I love that movie. Um, the other thing I think is interesting, and you know, we talked about like parallels at the beginning and the end. Mm-hmm. And I think another really big parallel to what's happening in this is that he knows that Lupe is in danger. He knows that there's like this supernatural threat that is, that is a ticking time bomb for him, that there's going to be these vampires coming. And he does kind of try to talk him into leaving. Um, and when, when Lupe says no, he's like, well, then I'm going to stay here and protect him. But the one thing he doesn't do or even seems to consider doing is telling him what's going on. And like Roland and Eddie, knowing that there's a ticking time bomb literally inside Susanna, a supernatural one, they're, they're choosing not to tell. And it feels a little bit like foreshadowing. I can't remember everything that happens. This is not me spoiling, but it this is another instance of people having this information and withholding it, even though someone else is in danger. And and that struck me as a parallel. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, that one is not one that I was really thinking on, mostly because of the vampire stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's a good one to kind of keep in the back of your brain. I like that. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you very much. No problem. Hat tip to you. I, <laughs> I feel like now I should have walked into this podcast being like, did I tell you about parallels, Rachel? <laughs> I mean, you kind of did. You talked about how that there are some parallels in, in this chapter. I just caught one you missed. Damn it. That's why we're a team. That's why we're a team. You know, <laughs> it's, it's fucking teamwork. So uh, basically uh, what we find out is that like, the vampires, in fact, can transmit AIDS. Um, and over HIV, time, the virus that HIV, causes AIDS. Yeah, I'm sorry, you're, you're correct. Um, <laughs> no, that's okay. I, I put the the cart before the horse. Uh, so the um, the main thing is that like Loopy slowly gets like sicker and sicker, and like at some point he has to actually step away from doing certain types of work at home because like he is not capable of doing it anymore until finally. Um, at the end, he ends up in the hospital, uh, even to the point where when these guys come to visit him, he asks them to wash their hands. This is a time when like, this Nobody was knew. poorly understood. Yeah. Even to the point where um, uh, later in, in small sections, like the camera pulls away from the scene. We cut back to Roland and the gang and like there's discussion about the name of this infliction. And, you know, uh, and call hands like, you mean they they stuck with the word gay? Like, that's so stupid. <laughs> and, like, they couldn't come up with anything better. And like, you know, and like uh, Eddie kind of has like a clip about like, you know, so and so, so and so, so and so, and so and so. And those guys are gay, you know, <laughs> like, OK, you know, um, but like we get this sad scene where it's like almost the the beginning of up the movie. where like. You know, you oh have like, the, doo, 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 <laughs> yeah, and they're happy, yeah. and then like it just slowly like, and then then he slips, and then he falls, and now he's in the hospital. Then they never got to go on that vacation they always wanted to go on, like, and now Callahan is just like out being depressed and sad and angry at the world. And at the moment where um, Lupe finally passes away, we get this kind of um, sobering scene 
where uh, he is, um, Callahan is like there with another person from home. And the guy's like, you know, I don't know a ton about your history, but I know that, you know, you're a recovering alcoholic and you worked hard here. I'm like, he's like, you'd shit on, you know, Lupe's dream and, and whatever if you got drunk, but I wouldn't blame you. In fact, if that's what you intend to do, um, you can you can drink out of my wallet first until it's empty, and then we'll hit yours. And like, that's such a a dark moment where like all these people that were providing services and help for these folks that are in a bad way, um, basically are at a precipice where they're like, maybe we should just give up and go back to you know our life of of basically killing ourselves quickly with with booze and drugs and so on. Mm-hmm. And then we also have like the cross reference, which is Lupe at the very end being like, I didn't use needles guys, you know? Yeah. And it's like such a heartbreaking moment where he just like really needs his friends to know that he stayed clean. You know? Yep, that's- exactly. And that's mm-hmm. like such a, that part right there is like a mirror of what, happens at his funeral and then like mm-hmm. Colin basically just kind of goes into this um dark place where he's like you know what fuck it you know like well he sees the vagrant dead and he's just like that's it that's the final straw yeah <laughs> like well, I, <laughs> vampires are one thing but like the vagrant dead are too far yeah and th- there's actually a moment when he's talking about the dead where like he gets knowing looks from the gang and they're like Oh yeah, we see we see those guys all the time, you know, like. Mm-hmm. And then what's the there's a there's a really good line. It's like uh ghosts only haunt the house they know or something like that. Mm-hmm. That I thought was like a super touching and also like poignant um reflection of both Roland and the gang as well as Callahan. Yes. I, I forget what it is. Did I get that quote correctly or Something. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I was about. looking for it in your notes and I didn't see it, so like I'm just winging it. Unless that's like. They a... never go far, Roland agreed. His cigarette was done. The dry paper and crumbles of tobacco had disappeared up to his fingernails in two puffs. Ghosts always haunt the same home. Yep, there you go. Ghosts always haunt the same home. And so that's when I wanted to drill on and and focus on for a little bit with this mm. is because like when that line is delivered and like Callahan sees these, um, you know, haunting ghosts of, of New York, like it reflects on like Callahan himself. Who's like his entire life has been this sort of, uh, work, but booze trip. And like, he is going back to the home he knows, which is, you know, work and a booze trip. And like for Roland and to a lesser extent, Eddie and Susanna, like Roland has always known the tower and like the ghost, you know, the homie he knows is the tower. So no matter what, like his quartet, all of those things, every time he rewraps his himself in like his story, it's a repeat of a previous story that has been in the past, you know, like um, when he had, his younger uh crew um from previous books and like what does he do well he rebuilds another quartet um sort of in the image of the previous one and that i thought was fairly profound 
uh, as a reflection of the characters that are here. Um, and right. I wanted to kind of bring that up and then get your take on it. If I'm just like uh, galaxy brain in this, or if that's actually, I like... mean, I don't know. I think it's a really interesting idea. I had not picked up on that, but I do think that there's something there, right? Like, and it, the fact that they named the, that the shelter's name is home is right? interesting, right? Exactly. And he, he himself is kind of on this path to becoming the vagrant dead. And he has like two paths ahead of him. He can continue what he's doing go further down that and his fate may would be to become maybe one of the vagrant dead or or something he's already some sort of facsimile of it and i think so like in that way home is a metaphor but i like how you're taking it to another level where you're like but also returning home to these and and haunting these places psychologically or in patterns of our lives can be kind of like the vagrant dead not leaving Right. That's really, I like that very much. I had not gone there, but I, I it tracks. I like it. It's it's just tinfoil had enough, but it, <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's good. Listen, I uh, I try to bring at least one small thread to pull on every <laughs> every episode, whether it's a good one or not is debatable. But no, no, no. I think I you nailed this one. Nugget there, the um, nugget was this one was gold. This one was not fool's gold. This was gold. <laughs> so. We get this, and then, like, we get uh, sort of um, uh, an evolution, almost like a a Batman-esque, like, this spiraled me into this, which spiraled me into this, which spiraled me into this. And that story basically goes of, like, Callahan diving into his booze, um, doesn't take his friend with him, but, like, still just does it, which is pretty shitty. And also, like, kind of an affront to his friend's memory. Um, but his friend mentioned two things, or the the gentleman like said there was two things that would disappoint Lupe. Do you remember what those were? They would be. I mean, I remember that he said basically if he were to celebrate <laughs> or like memorialize Lupe by going and getting drunk again, that would be an insult to him. But I don't know what the other one was. Oh, he he said he like take a shit on his memory. I believe was one of the the phrases. And then the other one was something else. And well, I think he said it would be pissing on his memory. And then later he says like, I did piss on his memory, but I didn't do this other sound and do the other thing, like, yeah, and which like... is give up, which is completely to give up. Okay. Yeah. That's it. That's what I was like trying to, to run it. for. Um, Sometimes you gotta like, you gotta take it. You gotta lead me a little bit. <laughs> oh, no, no problem. I'm sorry. I'll get there. <laughs> that, that but I might need then. a little guidance. No, no, no. You're usually sharper than I am. So like I was tossing it over to you. Like, no, as a, as well, a that's not true, but <laughs> thank uh, you for the compliment. Regardless. So like what basically happens is he, Falls down, pissed drunk. He sleeps in some newspapers. Someone rolls him while he's passed out for his cash. He then ends up broke. And at that moment, like, to get drunk again, he has to find money. So he heads to, like, a, a basically day labor place and, like, finds some work. And then starts this routine where he works for a little bit, saves up some money, gets pissed drunk for a while, and then, like, recovers on Sundays and then starts the thing over again. And he does this for a while, and he starts to notice these uh, little vampires around the place. And also, like, there's this moment, too, where you can feel him distancing himself from real society when one of the day labor companies that he's working for is like, hey, man, um, you're doing a really good job, and I feel like you could do more. Why don't you sign on with, you know, my brother's company or whatever? 
and call in like immediately goes to a different work you know day labor place that has nothing to do with that company so that he never has to run into that guy again and that like option to find success is almost like appalling to mm-hmm. call in and his nature and like where he's at but as he sees more of these uh vampires like wandering around like this lady feeding birds with like the blue mist around her mouth breathing it in breathing it out um and like the lady from the bank who made really good eye contact, like he starts to see these people and realizes like, you know, maybe I should do something. And there's this really kind of eighties scene <laughs> where like, you're almost picturing like this kid was like just break dancing like five minutes ago. I know. And then he has like the biggest Sony boom box you can imagine with like two eight inch speakers. Is he and, rerun like... or boogaloo shrimp? Yeah, That's exactly. <laughs> And like he's got, you know, he's like jiving to it or whatever, and like then some vampires on him, and like Colin like kills the vampire, like just stabs him, and like I think the description is that like when he stabs him, the his Adam apple comes out, Adam's apple comes out on the knife, and the guy disappears the same as like the rest of them, and this boombox guy is like completely out of it, uh-huh. and there's this weird moment where like you kind of get the age of the boom box kid and also like the difference in Callahan and mm-hmm. like the scariness of Callahan as well, because like this kid, when he finally comes to what does he do? The first thing he does is like pulls his boom box close to him because they're like, this guy looks shady. Mm-hmm. And like Callahan has to like basically distract him by being like, where did this pile of clothes come from? What's I wonder what's in there? And like the kid like immediately is like, oh shit, I should steal stuff. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. And it's like yeah. such a strange transition from like, don't murder me weirdo to like, oh, free shit. I'm on it. Get it, get it, get it. You know? And so <laughs> it's, it's a strange thing. And, and after that happens, like Callahan starts to notice that um, there's like signs in places and he's not sure how it's happening, yeah. um, but like, there's a bench, a, a a favorite park bench that he likes to sleep on, and that bench doesn't have anything on it, but a bench adjacent to it has a note that says like he has a burnt hand, you know, and like there starts to be other signs around that just say, uh, you know, very hinted things about mm-hmm. Callahan and where he he travels, and we come to understand that it's not necessarily the vampires that are pointing out his location, but also like a third party organization that is working to uh, basically point a light on him for reasons of targeting. Mm -hmm. And this even uh, falls into the category of like, they start putting up um, these kind of clever, but also, funny and weird uh missing animal posters yeah. that are like satire descriptions of Callahan and like if you find him you know give us a ring and it's yeah. it's like it's it's it it made me think for a minute like are there you know duct tape signs to pull somewhere that like tell me how criminal activities are going on in my neighborhood that I just don't Maybe. have the translate for and I like, always love anything that's like hidden world like in the world kind of stuff like yeah that. i know like I, I now i'm wondering if like that qr code i've never scanned on the stop sign mm-hmm. is just like 
hey, uh, here's the address of the drug house. It's like two blocks up. Prostitution's on block seven, you know, like, come on down. Woo. It's like, whoa. It, it, that stuff is probably actually, we got like our own real Silk Road around here or something, right? Um, <laughs> and, I always loved all that like Toynbee tile stuff, you know? I love that kind of like hidden world in the world. I mean, that person turned out to probably be mentally ill, but <laughs> but still, it was cool. <laughs> so there, there's other one other scene I want to circle back to, and that's this moment where like, after Callahan's been in this sort of um, vampire hunter international mode for a little while, <laughs> um, he like runs into... Uh, one of the dudes from the the home and like this is a guy that like at the funeral was talking to him and like you can tell that Callahan has changed immensely and the fact that this guy doesn't even recognize him or spot him in the area and to that extent Callahan is like self-acknowledging that um, he's basically been wearing his vampire victim's clothing as he finds the stuff that fits Another yeah. fancy shoe reference, which makes me wonder if Stephen King has like got a secret stash of really nice shoes <laughs> oh, somewhere. Oh, you know he does. <laughs> and, and like, and then you know, uh, kind of also just like points to the fact that this guy has gone from like his ups and downs at the church to his ups and downs at at the home to now his new ups and downs of just like drinking heavily and murdering vampires as almost a sport of some kind. So it's just a real, not a strange story arc, but it's a very looping Lupe, mm-hmm. so to speak. Mm-hmm. story arc. Um, and I thought that was another fun one to like toss it over to you on Rachel. I've talked a lot about this little section here, but yeah, you've got a couple stars. Let's back. Yeah. Up. Let's back up a little bit. I do think there's a couple just little moments I wanted to highlight. I think you've covered most of, of what we need to talk about here, but there's a moment earlier in the chapter where he's kind of on that verge of going back and um, he it's after he sees the vagrant dead and he kind of has this momentary panic and the, the chimes start really pounding out their sounds and he, the world gets kind of thin and it gets that kind of dark tint to it and that unreality that they experienced in that dream state uh, mm-hmm. where he feels like he's going to step through the world. And they, they have this interesting exchange, basically, where he's like, where, um, I'll read you the quote. He says, things steadied again. The chimes faded, faded, finally gone. I started to walk very slowly, like a man walking on thin ice. What I was afraid of was that uh, if I stepped too heavily, I might plunge right out of the world and into the darkness behind it. I know it makes absolutely no sense. Hell, I knew it then. But knowing a thing doesn't always help it, does it? And then in a row, Eddie says, no. And he said, thinking of the days of snorting heroin with Henry. No, says Susanna. No, says Roland. Roland agreed, thinking of Jericho Hill, thinking of the fallen horn. And I think this is interesting because it's kind of like getting at their regrets, right? And we Mm -hmm. find out what Eddie thinks about and we find out what Roland thinks about. But it's very obvious that we have no, it's an obvious deviation that we do not get that information about Susanna. And it's, we could, you know, the omnipotent narrator is telling us the other two people things, but for some reason, this is not included. And I, and I wonder, so we don't know what this regret is that Susanna is thinking about. Um, but I think it's kind of interesting and I'm curious what your take is. Why, why the narrator decided not to share that information? Oh, well, that's fairly easy. Um, 
Susanna is like in a kind of a clouded mystery right now, mm-hmm. and you don't want to, um, you don't you don't want to spoil your your story thread with the explanation of like what's going on with her because we'll probably uh, hint underline three times get some evolution in her story and finally find mm-hmm. out what these things are. Aha. So you think that this is just like a, like this is just a writing ploy. Okay. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. I do think it's interesting. We got another mention of Jericho Hill. Like Stephen King is underlining Jericho Hill and the horn after never hearing about it. We've heard about it three times at least in this book. So, so that's of note. Um, other thing I was realizing as we were listening to this whole section is like, I was kind of like, what is the purpose of this and why is it so long? <laughs> um, because there are parts of it I found really interesting, parts of it I was less enthralled by. But then, especially as we got into the later part of this section, I was like, oh, we're world building. That's what this mm-hmm. entire section is ultimately about. There is a much more abbreviated version of the story that King could have employed to tell us, give us the backstory of how uh, Callahan got here and who he is. We don't actually need all of these details, except for that it creates this opportunity for him to do some really amazing world building. Because we learn a lot. We learn more about how Todash works. We learn about the vampires and how they work. We learn about the Crimson King comes up again. We And most importantly, we learn about the low men, which is something we'll get into in the um, you know connections to other Stephen King universe. But that's really what this has been about is giving us all the information that we need um, for like the the next evolution of the world building that we're going to need as we're moving in to this back half of the books. He's laying all this groundwork. We're going to get into the hidden highways. All that kind of stuff is happening in this section. So even if you're not that invested in the Callahan of it all, I do think that there's some real value to it because we're finding out we're set. We're setting the rules and getting a deeper understanding of how this world works from this section. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and I and personally, I don't know about you, but as soon as the low men came up, I was like, kind of like, excuse me, tell me more. This is fascinating. I got very excited about that. I liked that we learned how they communicate with pet posters. I, like you said, I think that's really clever, but it also kind of it adds a depth to the world and like gives you just enough of a tease about who these people are to understand that they're organized. There's a, there's like a, you know, a deep state, <laughs> like a, there is a Crimson King deep state. And that's really cool and interesting. Well, and you uh, actually and- caught me off guard a little bit because I remember the mention of, you know, coffin hunters, but I don't remember the low man state. So like that was part that like, I just breezed right past without even thinking. Oh about so, yeah. When well, that's me- cool. Calm, like a, like a, a they some of them have the coffin tattoos on. Yeah, them. it was that's uh, I focused in on the coffin ca- tattoo and it was like, oh yeah, you know, the coffin hunters are out and about. But like, I casual Friday breezed past the low mm-hmm. without actually like registering that. So thank you. Well, he's he's weaving things together, right? Like he's doing callbacks to these coffin hunter these these regulators from a previous book and being like, okay, here are some. Now I don't think that they're. They're not exactly the same as we're going to learn more about them moving forward. Like the, you know, the coffin hunters in the last book did not have glowing red eyes and things like that. Right. Mm -hmm. We're going to find out more of the mythology of them, but they are an extension of this soul, like this army of the Crimson King. They are, even though they may not um, 
have signed up to be soldiers of the Crimson King, they were because they worked for um, the Man in Black, right? They mm-hmm. so so it's it, it's interesting that they like King is like clearly drawing lines and at, for the reader being like, okay, this all is a thing. These are all connected. Um, and and that's what I'm saying with the world building in this section. I just think it's really interesting and. And now I'm like very invested in the section in a way that I wasn't before I had that realization. All right. That's my thoughts for this section. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I'm excited to hear more about those guys and like the network of evil. Yeah. <laughs> network of evil. We call it AT&T. Deep state. Yep. It's the deep, or is it the dark state? I don't know. We'll um, uh, well, I think there's it. two, depends on. What, the uh, red state? No, wait, oh, wait, hold on, whoa, whoa, hold no, on, no. that one's already taken. <laughs> uh, yeah, it depends on what kind of nutty you're into, like the deep state or the dark state. One of yeah. them is like deep, as in the employees have been there for a long time and do what really matters, which is the government. And then the dark state is like everything's in shadows and it's actually run by like the bank of something, or, uh, whatever, <laughs> science and stuff. <laughs> yes 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 um so we were talking about these signs and these dog posters and stuff and it, it would be remiss if i didn't mention that like this is a reflection of what um R- roland and the gang has seen uh a- as they travel uh through their adventures in kansas and so on and this reflection is like basically uh sig- sigils and like signage uh, of the Crimson King that is sort of like haunted them as well. And that reflection um, expands upon the mythos of um, Callahan's own experience of being marked and sort of tailed and chased. And, and that's important to mention because that means that these characters, people or what have you, that are marking these signs and these places aren't just in one world. They're traveling from world to world, mm. walking the distances and the shadows and so on. And we start to get, like, as Colin's still explaining, we, we kind of get that discussion again of, like, sort of the Manny-esque nature of the world and mm-hmm. that there are many roads that go many places. And mm. Colin takes a moment to explain, like, have you ever seen this bridge? You know, like, it's in the shadow of this other bridge. And, like... He talks about the bridge. Eddie's like, no way does this bridge even exist. There's like a little bit of back and forth. And Colin's like, well, interesting you say that. But, uh, you know, it's been continually maintained for uh, so many years. And like there's even a recommissioning plaque in 1979 that Lemurk Industries, you know, uh, uh, refurbished this bridge. And like he's like, as soon as I got here, you know, I realized that. Andy the robot was also a Lemurk Industries mm-hmm. uh, creature, and this isn't the first time we have heard this term in uh, cross reference to to New York. So it's a a very interesting uh, breadcrumb basically to follow, and you know this is a, also a foreshadowing because like you know the the wolves uh, that we are soon to come visit, you know may bring more of those uh, those crew members, I guess, would be the term. I don't know, like, without mm-hmm. getting deep into any kind of spoilers. Like, it'll mm-hmm. it, it definitely, like, the shadowing is that, like, not only are these people falling around and marking 
things for the Crimson King, but like, do they have an office park over there? You know, is that like uh, Lemurk Industries International hanging out out in the distance? Dun, 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 dun. You know, like we don't know, but that is strongly implied as we wrap up this section uh, pointing towards the wolves. Rachel, yeah. what do you yeah. think? Yeah, I mean, I love any of that sort of like weird dark corporate stuff when it when it shows up here whether it's um, north central positronics or lamurk um i think it's interesting that this one is lamurk industries the other one is lamurk foundry and i was kind of like does that mean they're the same company and just subsidiaries or or is it like a multiverse Stephen king multiverse and i'm leaning towards the former personally yeah, definitely yeah. um yeah. the other thing is like and i wanted to ask you about this is like a kind of side note so the bridge is like an interesting thing, um, but it's also something not only that is in this book, but something I've run into with people I've known over the years. And I wanted to check in with you to see if this is the case. Have you ever had this moment where you're like, you've gone to a place a dozen times and one day you're with your friends who have also been to that same place a dozen times and you bring up the thing that you've seen a bunch of times and you know exists and no one else seems to recognize remember or know that that thing is actually there it's because you've slipped through the multiverse my friend i mean <laughs> it's it's the it's the what do they call it? the mandela effect <laughs> yeah yeah well that's true too but i mean uh, the that's happened to me on more than one occasion mm. and i've been able to actually go back and be like no see right there and i, I know like Maybe is... they're slipping through the multiverse and you're the one that's still in your your universe prime. Well, yeah. I... <laughs> so, <laughs> Did uh... I just sidetrack this? I'm sorry. No, 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 that's okay. Um, I'm trying to think of how to circle back around. So, so I guess where I'm going with this is like the exploit of this as a concept in the book and also the exploit of this as like a recognized problem and or experience that has happened to many people over the years is sort of an interesting concept and also like a real thing that I've definitely experienced. And I kind of wanted to like reach out to you, Rachel, and ask you, okay. is there any, have you ever had any moments where like a place you grew up with and knew so well, um, someone had just like conveniently forgotten something that actually existed there and like didn't believe you when you explained that that, that was the thing. Um. <sighs> I mean, there are definitely, like, I have memory. Yeah, I guess maybe, like, but it wasn't necessarily something that I knew really well, but I have memories of going to places or, like, seeing things in town that I know I was with people when I saw them, and we, it was, like, a thing at the time, and people don't necessarily have that memory, but I don't know if that's exactly what you mean. So, uh, one experience for me, and, and this is where I was headed with this, um, Rachel, you've listened to other podcasts I've been on, and you've heard me explain movies before. Yeah, oh, I've been on podcasts while you explained them. And the, <laughs> the thing that I have of note to that is that when I explain a movie, guys, if you've never heard that, um, I accurately describe things in the movie, but for whatever reason, there are things that I focus on that for some reason everyone else seems to not think about it all but there's always that one person out in the audience that when they hear that description oh yeah they immediately are like oh of course no 
no there question. were always some DJ whisperers in the audience that knew exactly what you meant. And so I guess like where this does come back around to like Rachel's little more conspiratorial talk is like, you think out in the world, there are just obvious things in front of us that are really like secret holes into other universes. Do I think, I mean, I think, I think it's possible because I'm not sure if we live in a multiverse or in a simulation, but both of those <laughs> would allow for that. <laughs> I feel like, and my, I, I had a thread to this and like the only real thread is like, um, pay attention folks, look around your world and experience it maximally. I just talked to a friend the other day that, you know, goes down to the, to the bay in new york on a regular basis and like went to the new art exhibit but didn't realize that there was a, a floating terrace garden on the old train tracks that runs through manhattan and like he had to probably walk underneath of that at least six times to get to the thing that he went to and you're just like wait what and like i realized after having that conversation that this book points out a really important fact that a lot of people are singularly focused on whatever's in front of them and miss mm -hmm. everything around them so there's your like deep introspective moment that i almost never give to these podcasts because i usually <laughs> just kind of goofing and goofing around a little bit so uh with that weirdness out of the way rachel uh did i miss anything in this last section that you want to re reach back and cover there is one other thing I think is worth noting. It's another one of these moments where we run through everybody's reaction and it's when the name, the crimson King gets spoken and Eddie is surprised. He's like shocked by the name. Susanna unconsciously touches her belly, even though quote, she supposedly doesn't know that she's pregnant and Rowan remembers some graffiti on the side of the road that refers to the walking dude. Um, I think the thing that stood out to me the most was the touching of the stomach. And I don't know if that, cause it could mean two things. It could be that like subconsciously she does know that she's pregnant or it could be that Mia is more present all the time than we think she is. And she was the one reaching for her belly either, either way though. I, it's worthy of noting that she did something that she did this. Um, and then there's one other thing we should probably not forget to mention is that uh, uh, Eisenhower like kind of sends out a message that he wants to like meet with these guys. Yes. And it's a sort of a important cliffhanger where it's like uh, once the story is over, we need to go see this guy because there's another important person. In yeah. That we need yep. to meet with. Yep. 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 Um, and also we're going to they're still heading over to the church to see Black 13. So that is mm -hmm. on the horizon. Still not even happened yet. <laughs> I, you know what? Let's tell you we're going somewhere, and then like there's like a whole day. more, a whole other chapter of him telling his backstory. So, <laughs> and I, this is not me complaining. I actually do really love uh, the backstory of Callahan. It's just that it's like, come on, man, you could have just like waited a little longer to tell us that you're going to go show us this thing, and then stick a whole other story in the middle of it. Yeah. All right. Well, that leads into like your overall thoughts on the chapter. What did you think? Um, I I like this sort of um, it almost felt like cloak and dagger, uh, you know, vampire hunting. Uh huh. Uh, that like made me smile. Like the '80s boombox. Like I had to, I had to set like set myself down for a second and just like 
go Google 80s boot boxes for a minute. It's <laughs> like, I just missed that style of like overly crazy gray on shiny metallic silver plastic. Uh -huh. like big black uh, speakers and like weird grills and buttons that actually clicked into place and tape decks. Um, yeah i never knew how to like what was the point of any of those when i was a kid like uh you had to be like a sound engineer just to play a boom box yeah the like the, the whole eq section and the yeah that you could like slide <laughs> yeah. up and down and do stuff with uh-huh uh, yeah and so it was kind of like the, the painting of new york in this section was probably like the most poignant and um adjacent to my tastes and liking of like that era of New York, um, sort of like the eighties Ninja Turtles <laughs> sort of thing going on. And yeah. So I really loved that. And then, you know, the call in stuff, like that's pretty cool too. Um, as far as the like bridge and stuff, it kind of got me on a weird brain tangent. And I ended up going back and revisiting that, um, hidden brain episode about like people missing obvious things, uh, mm. in the world. And so, you don't listen to hidden brain like totally worth checking out same with um there's a radio lab episode that covers the same topic so uh overall like pretty good um is it a fave no nah, no nah, not really um but it had enough action to keep me going rachel what about you yeah i mean i i i like i said i am a sucker for world building i think i was less invested in this initially than i was once we got to that low min section i was like oh no i'm in this is exciting i like this and then we had the hints of lamurk and this bridge like there was this the last section of this really saved the chapter for me because i i that all that kind of like you said cloak and dagger sort of intrigue stuff and corporate intrigue potentially i love the world beneath the world like you know secret society anything like that i'm always like yes cultists yes i'll give it to me all of it so, um, so yeah, that, that bit of it really saved it for me. So I didn't ultimately have a good time with this chapter. I'm, I'm like Roland himself, who at one point is like doing the, like with his fingers, like, let's keep, let's wrap it up. Let's go. Let's go. Like that's me my energy a little bit with this story. But if we're going to get details like the Loman and their weird pet photos, oh, I'm in, I'm in, take your time. Uh, all right, so for those of you who are reading along, the plan for the next episode is we are going to be covering part two, Telling Tales, chapter four, The Priest's Tale Continued. So we're going to do that entire chapter. We got to get through this thing so we can move on. Uh, all right, uh, connections. Normally, we don't have connections, but this week we do. And that, of course, is the Loman. So I thought we'd dig into that just a little bit. There is... Ooh. A little bit of potential for spoilers here about the Loman themselves. I'm not going to get like super in the weeds, but I, I do just kind of want to describe what they are. So depending on your level of spoiler adverseness, um, this would be skip forward like, I don't know, 10 seconds. And we chapter label spoilers of the Loman <laughs> section five dash two Loman explained underscore Loman dance. <laughs> yes exactly I, that feels not quite complicated enough to be honest uh, okay so the <laughs> lowmen are also known as the kentoi which are these vaguely humanoid creatures who feature in this story as well as a bunch of others as they are described or as uh, 
Callahan said they're essentially soldiers of the Crimson King, which I will not get into spoilers around because, you know, for obvious reasons. But they are one of those sort of creatures, characters, whatever you want to call them, that span several of his books. They pop up repeatedly. Um, they are kind of the tentacles that that even when the Crimson King is not featured in a story, his agents often are. Mm -hmm. So they have shown up in Hearts in Atlantis, um, as well as Black House, Desperation, The Regulators, 112263, Ur, or U-R, I don't know how you say it. It's the short story that he put out just on Kindle. And of course, The Talisman. So, like, if you're talking about things that connect the multiverse, one of the really, like, one of the brightest lines or the thickest lines you're going to see are these low men. Um, there is, for the most part, I think that they um, are largely Tahine, which we'll get into later on. But apparently, it is a big enough umbrella that something somebody like the the coffin, big coffin hunters would also be a part of the low men. So there is your Stephen King universe connection. Do you have any thoughts, questions, feelings, anything, Deej? <laughs> I'll take that. That's a great review. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, the Tahin are always like cool, interesting, and then um, that connection to the talisman is like, you know, uh. Well, I finally read the second talisman and was like, damn, that was a lot of that was a lot of dark towers in there. Mm hmm. I mean, I think probably once we finally get through these, we may want to we'll discuss it at the time, but we mm -hmm. might want to do talisman and black house at least um, maybe even insomnia. And yeah. I don't I mean, I guess we could do Salem's lot, but to be honest, I don't really want to. But I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. That's a long ways away. <laughs> we got a Sometimes lot of books in between now. We'll... Although this is episode seventy nine, we're getting through these. Are you uh, sure this is an episode eighty? I think it's seventy nine. Okay, so it's eighty. Here's the weird sauce um, as to how I label where we're at in the book. I number everyone as um, we cross the line. Oh shit! This is actually episode eighty two. <laughs> okay, so I'm at number 81 right now so i'm okay and that actually checks out because uh i didn't number one i numbered one as like a a word instead of um a number <laughs> so i'm exactly one count behind our current podcast list well yeah i mean and clearly i need to update our numbers hold on let me put it in the doc now i'm thinking of it because i was relying on this to be accurate and it is not okay i'm changing my 81 title to 82 82 always be on yeah birdie I, I think maybe it's because we like broke up an episode at some yeah. point in and there. there was one where you weren't there it's probably when oh, i had justin yeah, yep, on yep. yeah yeah so listener feedback, we got a couple of answers. To be fair, I forgot to post the question. So these are people who were intrepid uh, question answerers. And they're both named Dave. Oh, hi, But they're Dave. not the same Dave. I got confused for a second, but they are two different Daves. The Daves. Right. Well, I, technically, one of them is David. But, you know, like, it's close enough that I thought I would. I don't know what I'm doing. Anyway, <laughs> so our first answer comes from the question was, Last time we were talking about how we're just sort of over vampires, like 
we appreciated that there was some interesting world building around the vampires in this, but like in general, they just are not our cup of tea. But we are open-minded. Are we not generous? Are we not magnanimous? Are we not the most fair people on the internet? We wanted to hear from you guys. What are some vampire stories that will change our minds and why? And two Daves, two Daves gave us answers. The person comes from David H. I guess I shouldn't say his name on the internet. David H. on, on the Facebook group said, I just listened and it, oh, he's giving us compliment. I'll skip that part, even though I love it. Um, I haven't seen anything official as far as the listener question, but I wanted to throw in my two cents in the vampire genre. I like vampires, but agree that sometimes the tropes do get stale. I have two takes I would definitely recommend. The first is Carrion Comfort by Dan Simmons. Have you read that? I have not, but I'm writing it down. I often see it on lists of like when I'm like, I want something scary and I'll like do like Google and look at the lists of books. Um, and it's like usually the same, like 10 or 15 books. I'm like, I don't want to read ghost stories. Stop telling me that. <laughs> um, and I've seen Carrie and Comfort on there. So this is by Dan Stevens. He says it's about psychic vampires who can manipulate control and emotionally feed off humans. Story center centers around an old Jewish man and his companions hunting down some of these vampires because one was a Nazi commander who secretly used Jews to feed on and torture during the war. Jesus. Uh, yeah, uh, that's definitely a new wrinkle that I have not experienced in the in the um, it's a vampire genre. But I'll tell you what I d across any genre, anything where like Nazis are getting freaking owned. I'm about it, about it. That is that is actually my favorite genre when Nazis are getting murked. Okay, the second one is the Passage series by Justin Cronin. I think I tried to read these, and it was like one of those things where it starts off with one character and then they like you invest in the character and then they change characters on you. Maybe oh, I'm I hate wrong. when they do that. Yeah, but people love these, so maybe I let's see what he says. Let's see if he changes my mind. This is about a virus discovered that turns people into these bat-like creatures. Okay, I like the monster aspect. Military tries to use it to develop super soldiers by infecting death row inmates. I do think I read this. Test subjects escape, of course they do, nature finds a way, and release a plague upon the world. There is a special girl with psychic abilities who is also infected and essentially becomes a kick-ass superhero. Well, that I like. Mm -hmm. I a girl superhero. I mean, always the story skips through time going. Uh, see, skips through time. I knew I'd read this. OK, the story skips through time going from creation of the original 12 alpha vampires to beginning of the plague to the fall of the world to a future where humans are kept as slaves to serve to be fed to vast nests of each of the each of the alphas created like a city size, like city sized wasp nests, all connected by a hive mind. Whoa. And a group of rebels along with our superhero trying to defeat the alphas and restore humanity. Absolutely fantastic story. David, am I going to have to go back and give this another shot? I mean, it sounds cool when you describe it, but I think I was just like frustrated because I was like, I care about these characters. Oh, nope. They're gone. <laughs> <coughs> but you know what I mean? Hmm. I may have to give that a shot. What about you, DJ? Are you going to give it a shot? Yeah, that second one sounds uh, pretty good. The uh, first one with the you know nazi vampire feed system mm. uh, that sounds like regular vampire attire um mm. it, it, but like, the nazis getting killed part though yeah but i mean like it's just, you, you know you can't just put like sprinkle some murder nazi dust on there and be like it's a different vampire thing mm. you know like that's sort of still regular vampire right yeah i guess so i think the the second one is like a gem in that like 
it's sort of a plague situation and you also mm. have like some psychic powers and um you know the like weird uh almost wraith-esque nature of towns and cities being these like high i do events. like that that's new that's a new wrinkle yeah and i think that one for me like rings a little more hmm. unique and interesting than what what would be just like a captive person eating nazi nazis i don't know i like nazi eating um i'm looking to see if either of them are available on libby and the other one was passage right the passage yeah the okay passage. Nothing on Libby for Clark and Comfort. I might have to spend a credit on it. And the passage. Libby? Mm, looks like it is. Oh, whoa. I guess there was a TV show or a movie or something. All right. Cool. So thank you very much, David. All right. Now let's go into our second recommendation, which comes from Dave. And he said, hi, Dave, your resident gun nerd here. <laughs> That's right. We have one of those. We got to like have more gun questions because... We have on retainer a gun expert, and we're just like pff, frittering away that opportunity. <laughs> My problem is I don't know enough about guns to even know what questions to ask about guns. Although I kind of want to get one. I feel like the end times are coming, and maybe I need one. That's my question to you, Dave. For someone who doesn't know anything about guns, what gun should I get? I'm also a girl with not a lot of upper body strength, so not like a something. Maybe something classy. Maybe I could something I could stick in my handbag i don't know let me know anyways okay all right so back to vampires <laughs> cool vampire vampires to my mind uh there's only but one answer okay oh this answer is correct sir and that is near dark excellent film most of the cast of aliens as 80s cowboy vampires correct I'm usually of the opinion that vampires are mostly boring, correct? Uh, Near Dark is the exception. They are brutal and animalistic. The True Knot from Dr. Sleep shares a few traits, mainly their nomadic nature. That's actually a very good parallel, I think. Um, yeah, definitely. Also late to the party as usual, my alternative content. Roland is Ethan uh, as Ethan Edwards, John Wayne from the film Searchers. Okay, I can see that. Mm -hmm. Similar single-minded determination towards his goal. Also similar sense of loss, uselessness when the quest is ended. Jake Will Graham from Red Dragon, Thomas Harvey and all. Yeah, okay, sure, sure. Uh, though Graham is an adult man, he shares the traits of Jake. Graham is a super empath, not quite the touch slash shine, but he can intuit and notice things on an almost telepathic level. Susanna Joan Harris. Oh, that's an interesting twist from Mad Men. Christina Hendricks. I mean, she's a babe. I love her so much. Possesses a similar uh, inner strength and determination, most likely personal bias, but the more Christina Hendricks is never a bad thing. Agree completely. Uh, Oi is dog meat from the Fallout game series. Okay, okay. <laughs> I mean, come on. A very good boy. Once I found out that dog meat could die, basically dog meat just stayed in my, like, my house <laughs> i was like you're an inside house dog now like uh i mean you're not going out where there are like you know <laughs> monsters that can get you i can't even think of anything uh why am i blanking i've played so much fallout my brain is just it's just been a long week okay and let's see here finally eddie is jack burton oh my god <laughs> <laughs> from big trouble little china obviously the smart assery is covered with the with this choice however we all know russell can cover the more dramatic elements of eddie as well i love that answer i love jack burton 
<laughs> I love that movie. That's a so very much. underrated uh, movie that is is quite good. Yeah, in some ways, it has definitely not aged well. But like, I saw it at such a young age, it has it has a piece of my heart, even though I can be critical of aspects of it. All right, feel free uh, to read or not on the pod. Well, too late because it did. Um, it's a bit long. I know. As always, thanks for the killer show and mentioning my music and gun-related info on the air. <laughs> all right. So, okay, let's go back to his actual, his, all right, let's go through this. So, Near Dark, is that a movie that you have seen? Uh, no, question mark. I wonder if you would like it. It's, it's a little, it's a little slow, but it's, like, super moody Western. It has, like, the raddest score. Um, but... I'm clicking on this. Because it sounds familiar, but um, yeah, I'm looking at the cast and crew, and this looks like something I've definitely seen. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been quite some time. At the very least, you should revisit the score. It's all Tangerine Dream, and it's so good. Yeah, I'll definitely put this on my later on. Yeah, yeah. So I will tell you this, Dave. I don't know if you have ventured onto any of the other podcasts on this this network or if you're like strictly a cast of Ka dude, which is fine. But I would say as a near dark fan, you should definitely check out the episode that we did on that movie on More Deadly, where we focus on women directed horror films because it's directed obviously by Catherine Bigelow. Um spoiler alert, we gave it a very good review. <laughs> but yeah, Bill Paxson Lance Henriksen. I mean, like this thing is just ugh, full of so many amazing characters, and there's a scene that takes place in a bar slash pool hall that is incredible. Anyway, yes, uh, you know what? Like, it's hard to argue that vampires suck when you bring up near dark. Like, that's a that's a major checkmate. So, I guess vampires rule. All right, what did you think of his alternative quartet? I, you know, I'm good. Uh, I was like scribbling some stuff down and following along, and like. I forget what our other options were from that time. So like, I don't know where this ranks in the quality skills, but like mm-hmm. definitely any reference to a uh, big L- trouble in little China is like a, a thumbs up from my part. So good job. Agreed. Agreed. All right. Awesome. Okay. So I have another kind of vampire. I mean, how could I not be vampire related? I'm trying to like pull inspiration from the chapter, but I thought this one's a little bit different. So, in this chapter, there's this repeating thing about how that whole summer that Callahan is hunting the vampires, he is keeps hearing someone save my life tonight by Elton John. I don't know. That's probably not the correct title, but you know what I'm talking about. Yep, yep. And like, I get the irony of that when he's like, you know, hunting vampires and like saving his friend temporarily from vampires, all that kind of stuff. I get it don't necessarily love that song though (laughs) so instead i want to propose an alternate playlist i want to know from you guys what song what's your vampire hunting song that goes on our playlist it's going to be an official playlist i'm going to put it on spotify so that we can rock out to it when we're off hunting vampires so i want you in i'm going to post it on the facebook page i promise i won't forget this time and you can also drop us an email with it i want to know what your vampire hunting song is who it's by, and why it belongs on the list. Okay? So I'm going to think about what I want to kill vamps to. DJ, I need you to think about what song you want to kill vamps to. And all you listeners, I want you to do the same. And I want you to either go on the Facebook group, 
which I don't even think you have to be a member of at this point. I think Facebook changed its like policy. So you might just be able to hop on there and, and put it in, in Facebook, or you can email us at at cast of call at zombiegirls.com. That's G R R L Z.com cast of call at zombiegirls.com. Send me a message with what belongs on the playlist. We're going to make it on Spotify and then we're all going to rock out to it. But you can also just reach out if you have feedback or thoughts or questions or a question you would like us to do as a listener feedback question. I'm always trying to come up with ideas and my little pea brain could use some help. So if you have something that you think would be a fun discussion question or whatever, you can drop us a line at castofcaw at zombiegirls.com or you can come chat with us over on the Cast of Caw Facebook group which is still currently open, but we'll see what happens. Uh, if you like the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you get your pods. It seems like a little thing, but it actually helps us out a ton. And if you're looking for something spooky to watch tonight, because you're like me, you love horror movies and horror shows and all that good stuff, check out our video on demand and streaming calendar at zombiegirls.com. We keep track of all the spooky doings that are happening on the internet. And uh, if you want to support us, there's a couple ways you can do that. In addition to leaving us a review, you could buy some of our sweet, sweet merch at zombiegirls.com forward slash merch. I just had to replace my cast of cost shirt because I've worn it so much. It was time to get a new one. Dang. I know. It's it's a hot ticket, you know. Every time I wear it, people call. Actually, I people have commented on, even that don't know the podcast, that recognize the, like, when they see the logo, they're like, oh. Cast or like Dark Tower, and like it's a great way to find your tribe. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> um, or you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Zombie Girls, where you get lots of additional content, like extended episodes, and we have our live show coming up next weekend. DJ, are you excited? I mean, I was born to try and remember to send pictures to Rachel in an appropriate time frame. <laughs> eventually we got there we got there <laughs> i'm trying to think you might have been my last for some reason been... when i read profile i thought you wanted me to like write a profile on myself oh no I meant and a so profile i was like photo. tried to write one and got distracted about the picture thank god thing. you got distracted and then like then when you were like what about a profile picture then i was like oh oh okay that's easier that's a lot easier yeah actually i think sarah still is lagging behind but i need to get i need to get that picture taken care of this week um but yeah we're doing our midsummer live show we have some fun stuff planned um you'll see us all on camera too yeah yes that's the thing so that's the thing right not only can you watch us on camera you can interact with us live um you can chat with us through patreon or if you're a patron you can get on the discord which is even cooler and hang out with us there all the time and watch the show live and chit chat with us and interact with us while recording so Definitely consider that if you've been thinking about becoming a patron, now is a great time to do it because one of our best perks is coming up, which is one of our live shows. And um, I probably will be pretty drunk. <laughs> I'll just put that out now. So if you want to see what drunk Rachel looks like, this is your chance. All right, DJ, that is all the plugs, except for our personal plugs. Where can they find you on the internet if they're like, you know what? More DJ, more DJ. I mean, uh, so lately I've been doing a lot of art. Um, I should probably put it somewhere, um, but uh, it's just. I been... want a DJ original. Sell me a piece of art. <laughs> I um. So there, uh, there's this uh, uh, thing at one of the bars I hang out at that uh, you draw on the coasters, mm-hmm. and so like I've kind of been a ringer, where like. I have a secret stash of my own good pins that I bring in instead of their shitty like, markers and just 
and do these like elaborate weirdo uh drawings that cover the entire thing um my latest one was a uh, pac-man uh belching out pollution and then like it's one of those see-through things where you just see his outline and then inside it's like a starry night with a factory running on the inside of him and That's then like cool. out the back of him comes like a, a little pellet that another pac-man is then eating <laughs> <laughs> it's just that's like awesome there's real weird stuff like that that comes from the, the, the deep psychic trauma of being me um so you oh know, my I, gosh <laughs> i might have to do something with that but uh otherwise um occasionally there's some stuff on etsy you can go over to muffins bank and, and see what i've got going on there uh i might start throwing some of these coasters on uh i've got some cast art that i'm actually trying to get back in the routine of working on again so maybe God, some of that this is like the lord this is this is like uh the what is it game of thrones of art <laughs> 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 the promises that this art will be completed <laughs> yeah so someday in the future there'll be a limited edition single run and only racial will have it Listen, as long as i get it that's uh and then uh you know otherwise you can uh swing over to um whatever we're doing as far as uh you know the thing that's not dead lantern anymore <laughs> that i forgot about um, outpost unknown outpost unknown <laughs> yeah and then uh then also you know if you uh you want to get on the, the old steams and watch me play stray cat you know i maybe i'll stream that or something i don't know rachel you do more things on the internet these days than i do i am a ghost on the internet what do you do i mean you're a featured guest star you know like you're like when the, the, the like at the beginning of like the 80s tv show and they're like and featuring Val valerie bertinelli or whatever like that's you, you that guy that once post- did stuff on youtube that was somewhat popular in the 2010s Exactly. But yeah, so you will occasionally hear DJ and regularly hear myself on uh, Outpost Unknown, which is a YouTube channel. Uh, for some reason, our, um, we do this show called The Seacast, and it's basically a group of us. We watch movies in 15-minute segments and then like riff on it, right? And so you can play along if you want to, or you can just hear us like reacting to what we've been watching. It's all on Tubi, so it's free. You don't have to like have any special services to do it. Um, but for some reason, our American Ninja Warrior 3 episode has blown up. I mean, for us. <laughs> That's not to yeah, say. Yeah, what does like, blown up numbers viral. look like? Is that like a thousand? I don't. Yeah, probably. But still, it's like <laughs> a weird phenomenon that of all the stuff that we put out there, like this thing is the one that's like gotten the most attention. So there's like clearly some super niche American Ninja fan base that is just like craving content i don't know i don't know <laughs> but you should definitely it's a, that show is really fun um our iou is our weekly show although i think it might be going bi-weekly now where we just talk about headlines mostly we argue about star wars and marvel movies so if you like star wars and marvel movies and you want to hear people have a lot of really intense feelings about them um then you should definitely check that out plus it's just a lot of fun and occasionally you'll get some more dj in your life uh as far as podcasts you can find me on more deadly zombie girls uh dream queens untitled nick cage show i was recently on an episode of bloody good horror where we reviewed the film watcher which is one of my favorite movies of this year and my co-host on zombie girls matilda this week was on bloody good horror talking about torn hearts which is another one of my favorite movies this year uh so you should definitely be checking them out and uh, as always i'm trying to think of there's i think that's kind of it right for this week we'll have some more guest spots to to hype coming up soon as well but you should be following bloody good horror anyway they're awesome all right 
So that is it for plugs. And that's plenty of ways to hear me way more than you need. DJ, take us out. Thanks for listening to another exciting episode of the Castica, where sometimes you blow up on YouTube. And in fact, guys, I have a weird, weird review video that I did at one point in my life about a really shitty microphone <laughs> that is sold for like a couple bucks on on Amazon. And uh, I'm going to uh, have Rachel put that in the thing because that will probably not blow your mind, but it'll be really strange that it got 74,000 views. So there you go. The internet is a strange place. Thanks everyone for watching and we'll talk to you next time. Good night. Bye, Thanks everybody for listening and to my co-host DJ for making me laugh and for indulging all of my tinfoil hat conspiracies. Production on this episode was done by yours truly. Our theme song for the show was created by DJ. All right. Can you hear me? Oh shit, sorry. I was watching a video and I didn't realize you were back. Oh, were you watching the weird review video? <clears throat> no, I got sucked into a stupid other video. But I'm here. I'm present. I'm you got me. <laughs> Man. All right. Let's get into it. I love the tiger lilies. If you've never gone down that stupid rabbit hole. I have not. They oh. are but they seem very interesting. They are Are they clowns? What's that? Oh are no, they no, they're um You got really quiet. Oh. Is that better? Get up in all up in that mic. Oh, I mean, I'm at my regular spot, but I can turn the volume up if that's better. Uh, how's that? Yeah, I think so. It's uh, fine. I'll, one, oh, one, I can one, also... one, one, one. Yeah. Can you, you hear just, me? Yeah, you seem quiet, but I could. Oh, maybe I, I turned the Did volume Did you turn down your too. volume down on your headphones while you're watching your video? Maybe. <laughs> I, I'm I'm looking at the levels on the the like, you know, whatever yeah. the recording thing. And it looks like I'm in the same spot. But I, yeah, I think you're probably fine. I think I may have forgotten that i turned down the volume okay so i'm like oh shit well i don't uh, know i it's been a long week Deej. okay so, week. so it's okay rachel um so for behind the scenes first i i just want to introduce you folks to a band called the tiger lilies um if you're not familiar with the tiger lilies um the way i i best describe these folks is uh okay so wait if you can handle falsetto singing by a large man for more than two songs at a time this is your jam if you can't this is something that you throw one or two of their good songs in randomly just to like off put the rest of the crowd that you're hanging out with and mm -hmm. carry on uh, mm. their <laughs> shtick is they're like a cabaret um basically a uh uh a like upright based uh a limited drum and a uh, accordion player and they wear kind of a mime-esque um, makeup stuff thing going on and they usually have like a live performance stage show that is actually uh, part of it that is sort of play-esque in nature with like um, acrobats and like uh, people performing parts of the songs and stuff uh, wow. they, were, they were made infamous for their title track from an earlier album uh, about Jesus called Banging in the Nails uh, oh my is, god <laughs> Jesus right exactly Rachel you nailed it on, on the head there <laughs> I nailed it it's really it really pounded those in um, <laughs> and it's like uh, you know like I'm having a good day doing my thing and I'm banging in the nails <laughs> bang 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 banging in the nails <laughs> I know I'm going to hell, but this is too much fun. I'm begging in the nails. And it's like, and so uh, they're just a very 
um, macabre. Macabre, is that the right term? Uh, a band. You know, I think technically both macabre and macabre are correct. I always wonder because, like, I've been corrected before, and it's that sort of thing where you're like, well, um, I've read this a number of times, but uh, I've never said it out loud, so... Have I been reading it wrong in my head this entire time or what? Yeah, I, I think it's like, I think it's supposed to be macabre, but macabre is also okay. But macabre is so much more fun to say. <laughs> Who wants to say macabre when you can say macabre? I don't know. When you say it like macabre, it sounds macabre. like extra, like you you push your, your snooty glasses up and like look down at someone and like your dress is macabre. Well, according to dictionary.com, it's macabre. But then this other thing I said saw said macabre. So that's why I'm saying I think it's both. Okay. I think okay. it's one of those rare instances where everybody's right and everybody's a dick for correcting the <laughs> other one. <laughs> All right. So before I push us on to another topic, as I am sort of like uh, taking care of this uh, extras show, Rachel, yes. do you have a band that fits into this category as our like bounce back? That would, I mean, uh... when I like the first thing I thought because it starts with like stand up bass I was like is this going to be like a total like a psychobilly like tiger army situation Um, I mean that's the thing that immediately came to mind like it's like the ICP of of tiger (laughs) armies magnets what are those how how do they work it's a miracle Um, I love that video I can't believe it's not parody it feels like parody Can I tell you something crazy that happened to me the other night and then we'll switch gears? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Lay it on me. What do you got? So I like to go for walks. It's like my way to like I work on a computer all day. And by the end of the day, I'm like, I I need I need to move my body. Yeah, also walker here, not to be mistaken for some sort of ranger that works in Texas. Yes. No, no, no. I I preambulate. (laughs) I I walk. Um, But and I'm thinking, you know, like the other night, it was kind of getting darker than I usually like to do. it. I like to do it before the sun sets. I'm saying this now because the sun is setting. Um, And but I'm like, oh, I'm on my block. It'll be fine. Yes, there were a couple robberies on my block, but those people got caught. So it's fine. But I'm a little nervous. One side of my street is like very close to a main street. And I'm like, okay, if there's going to be scallywags about it's going to be there. So I was like, let's do that part of the walk first so that we get to the more residential part later. And it'll, it'll be darker, but, you know, we'll just be amongst houses. It'll be fine. So we do our walk. And as we get to the area where I'm like, oh, we're in the safe zone. A car comes creeping up alongside me. And I hear, these little fuckers shot me with a airsoft car oh, and then drove off. <laughs> 